0: You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of Behind a Horse's Eyes. I am always your host, Ryan, and it seems like the best laid plans are the ones that want to fall apart first, and that's kind of what happened to me. We had some horrible storms come in earlier this week. I was trying to finish up this episode uh, so it would be out on Tuesday, episode 14, and then more storms came in. Um, I had ro- uh, ten tore off the roof of my barn I had to put back. Everything just fell apart, and then the unthinkable happened. The actual episode that was recorded was corrupted, and it was unusable. I I went back, I tried to clean it back up, there was, I don't know what happened. I am not an audio engineer, but it seriously sounded like somebody was blowing a whistle through the entire thing. Um... So I'm going to get that guest back on. It was some awesome information with draft horses and what it's like living the Western lifestyle in a state like Florida. But in the meantime, we have Jessamyn Rice joining us today. And we sit down and we talk about what comes up all the time. And that is how do you get that foot in the door in a barn or how to become a professional in the equestrian world without a lot of experience and we deep dive into that we you know we go down a couple of rabbit holes on some other subjects like we always do uh it seems like every time we me and uh jessamine get together it's something like that regardless it is a great episode i hope you guys enjoy it We're going to cue the music here in a second, but not before I bring up today's sponsor, and that is Anchor by Spotify. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's 100% free. If you've got a phone, you've got a way to make a podcast. Jump right on in there. Go to whatever devices you have, app store, download the Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm in your web browser and get started today. And you don't need anything. You can use the microphone right over from whatever device you're using, be it laptop, phone, or tablet. If you got an idea, you can make it into a podcast. We're going to hear a little bit more from them later. But without any further ado, here's me and Jess. hit the record button and she yawns
1: it's not you i promise i'm
0: trying to do the little countdown you know so i have a little silence i can get out all the ambient noise all i hear in the background is "Ah." (laughs) so we are joined again by the lovely miss jessamine rice and uh, we've been actually talking about this because me and you accidentally applied for the same job
1: we did
0: um the the crazy thing is, and we both agreed this would be a great subject because everybody has these grand ideas that I want to work in a barn. I want to work in the horse industry on the grunt side of it. You know, it's one thing when you're born into it. Mom and dad's got a 40 stall barn and you're breeding performance horses, you know, for hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And it's another. End, yeah, it's an, it's another thing when you have a backyard horse and then all of a sudden you want to go to work in someone's barn that way.
1: Yeah. Or just be a part of the horse industry in general. I mean, there's so many different aspects of the horse industry and sometimes it can be really intimidating to, you know, decide if you want to be in full time or not. Um, You know, try to make a real career out of it. There's, there's so many different places that you can, that you can go, but if you're not born into it or you're not, you know, you don't have a lot of money uh, sometimes it's hard to get into the side of the horse industry that actually makes you a little bit of money.
0: But you got to start somewhere. You got to get your foot in the door. And most people usually get that foot in the door either by a volunteering or taking the lowest job on the totem pole at a barn. And a lot of people go, oh, that's groom. No, 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 no. You graduate to groom. Grooms are professionals. Um, You're feeding, mucking, doing turnout. um, And it might be
1: sometimes you don't even touch a horse.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say, I have seen ads, especially here locally, for, for barn help. And yeah, you, you, you earn the right to get to work with horses after a while. Um, usually, they'll have you go in the barn when all the horses are out. Like, they don't want you near their horses.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. But, you know, I feel like a lot of people, when they want to get in the horse industry for the first time, you know, the reason that they wanted is to be around the horses, but, um, they almost feel entitled, like everyone else is owed to let them spend time with their horse. But like you were saying, like you start in at the ground level, like you start in with, unless you have the money to pay for lessons or you have the money to, you know, get you, you know, hands on time with that horse. If you, if you're really serious about it, it starts at ground level, which is, You know, doing stuff in the barn while the horses are out before you can earn the privilege to show that you're committed to be able to actually interact with those horses.
0: Yeah, use the people that get selected for the jobs that actually work with the horses, especially if it's a smaller operation. They may have somebody that is the grunt slash barn manager, you know, live on premises type job. Um, And they may have a couple of guys that come in and maybe do some landscaping or help with the mucking or muck and then they take it and spread it type thing um but there's a lot of operations you can get into and it's just you and they want to see a resume of you working with horses you know you can't just go in there and go well you know i'm just uh i'm gonna get me a job mucking stalls you got to know how to do
1: that properly absolutely i wouldn't otherwise it's not really worth their time like if if you don't know what you're doing then they're gonna go in after you and then not only are they wanting not only are they taking the time to let you do it, but then they're having to take extra time to go behind you and fix all the things that you didn't do correctly.
0: Oh yeah. And and a lot of these places they don't have time to take somebody that doesn't know what they're doing and train them. You know, and you're like, oh wait, you gotta be trained amongst stalls. Yeah. Because it's not as simple as just scooping stuff out and putting shavings down. Yeah. You know? They're and depending on the what is under that floor. Is it matted? Is it concrete? Is it is it a dirt barn? I mean all of them takes, you know, certain levels of, of shaving. Um, different barns like to use different types of shavings. Some like to use pellets. Some like to use, if you use the pellets and you can take it out in clumps and then replenish the pellets. I mean, it's, we're talking a whole lot about poop here and we really shouldn't be, <laughs> but I'm just trying to paint this picture that if you're the, the backyard horse person, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, we all are backyard horse people at heart. The. Trying to get into your first barn is not just going to be barn looking for help and you walking up because you have a horse. Yeah, it's not going to work that way. I can tell you that right now. I have a friend. <clears throat> I worked with him for years um, before he went to work for me, worked in the um, quarter horse racing industry. And he was in that industry five or six years before they even gave him the title groom.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: He was in Uh, that industry five or six years before they started paying him like $12 or $14 an hour.
1: Yeah. um, You definitely don't start out at, you don't, you definitely don't start out at a high rate. Um, So the way, the way that I got involved in the horse industry. So the the way we got onto this topic was um, we were just talking about what it takes to make it in the horse industry and how do you get started? uh, What's the best route to go? All those kinds of things. And for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, the way that I started in the horse industry, um, I was obsessed with horses as a kid, obsessed. I asked my mom and dad every day if I could get a horse. Um, and I'm sure they got really sick of hearing it. And Were they like ha- my
0: parents? Were they were just like, I'm not buying a hay burner?
1: No, um, we actually just didn't have the money, to be honest. Uh, we were a pretty low-income family. And so, A, buying a property was kind of out of the question. B, being able to afford care for a horse was out of the question. So um, for us, I just happened to get really lucky and we ended up running a house that was on this property that had 50 horses on it. Uh, little girl's dream, right? Um, but the people who owned that farm actually taught me so much more than just about horses. They you know, taught me so much responsibility and what it takes to make it in the horse industry. Um, They knew that we didn't have a lot of money, so they didn't even, you know, offer paid lessons. But um, the lady who owns it, her name's Nancy, she was, she came to me and she's like, well, you know, if you really want time with these horses, then you can come out. I need you out here every morning helping me with chores. So at 11 years old, I would get up at 5 a.m. I would go out, and I would help clean stalls and feed all of these horses that they had on their property. Um, Come back in, shower, get ready for school, uh, leave for school, come back, and I would be out in the barn until it was dark, uh, helping doing whatever I could. And then I would come inside, do my homework, go to bed and do it all again the next day. Um, Almost every single weekend it was, every single weekend was me doing something with them, whether that's bailing hay, or you know they had they had 300 acres so we had a lot of farmland and stuff that we had to take care of um all of my free time was spent with them and in exchange i got to ride uh two times a week so and that was the reason that i did it all and it takes so much like looking back you know i would not ch- trade that for the world um you know i learned so much about myself about being responsible you know at 11 years old taking that much time out of my week to do that, I would, I wouldn't have changed it. Um, you, I have a brother and a sister. I have an older brother and a younger sister. And my older brother thought that it was absolute torture living out there in the middle of nowhere with no internet. Um, and my little sister wasn't really very interested in that kind of stuff. But, uh, for me, that's kind of like where my passion for horses started. And, um, these days it's really hard to find people who are willing to put that time and effort in, uh, for the exchange of being able to be around horses. And to be honest, I think that that's the main reason I never fizzled out of the horse industry. And to this day, I've never had a job. I've worked full-time in the horse industry since, uh, college and I was 17 in college. So. Well,
0: you've got a uh, lot of people like, like locally. I've got a friend here locally. Um, she has a live-in situation uh on a farm, took a job at the farm. And here's how this works for her. She has a small cottage. And when I mean small cottage, it is smaller than a studio apartment, uh adjacent yeah. adjacent to the barn. Um she has privilege in the barn. Um she can pretty much ride anything there as long as it is not out currently on lease or or anything like that or unless it's a, a horse that they've been contracted to exercise as part of the the boarding agreement um she gets pretty much all her utilities taken care of so she doesn't have to worry about any of that she gets to ride but and she gets a place to live but she has to have a part-time job or she would starve to death
1: yeah um, because she's
0: not making anything because they're, they're giving her all this stuff And a lot of farms can do this because they have a cottage or they have something like that. And I have seen actual job postings where there's no money changing
1: hands at all. There's, there are so many different sides of the horse industry. It's crazy. Um, So there's definitely that side of the horse industry where, you know, people are almost asking too much for what is being, for what is being given. Um, I think that there are definitely people out there who take advantage of you in the horse industry. Um, after that first barn that I worked at, I worked at another barn and the type of things like the type of jobs that they made me do just to count work hours towards my, you know, my horse lease were just ridiculous. Um, one time I was asked to pull an entire acre of weeds by hand like a full acre
0: that's the that's whole
1: acre was weeds okay and the worst part about it is i pulled i literally pulled three quarters of the acre by hand hands bleeding you know like by the end of it and i shit you not or i kid you not they tilled up the last three the last quarter of the acre
0: yeah. <laughs> i mean and i, like, I fully believe it
1: You know, and so at some point, I feel like there's a there's a hard line of, you know, obviously people need to put the time and work and effort in to be able to, you know, show that they actually care about that and that they're actually invested and they want to help and they want to do things. Um, But on the other hand, I feel like people in the horse industry can be majorly taken advantage of.
0: Oh, yeah. well, Uh, And that's what they want younger people, they're excited, they're energetic, may have never had a horse, may they never- want a horse and they say, ooh, uh, you know I can I can get lessons or I can do this and you would be amazed at the people that line up to do so much free stuff. I know there's a barn here locally. Um, lady is super nice that runs it and she runs strictly on volunteers and holy crap they work their tails off and they get no privileges.
1: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, so going back to our original point, like, well, how do you get started? How do you get started in the horse industry? Uh, volunteering is a great way to get involved. Um, so I currently work for an organization where we have a lot of barn tour volunteers and we're, you know, we never ask them to do anything that ARC path or our paid staff members aren't doing or aren't willing to do. Um, you know, we, we, they, but they come in because they want to start getting, uh, becoming a part of the horse industry. They want to come in and they want to learn more about the horses. What does it take to k- take care of the horses, et cetera, et cetera? Um, so that is a fantastic way to start getting involved. But we aren't equipped, nor is it a, where I work. Is not our mission to be like getting people involved in the horse industry. Our mission is to take um, serve people with disabilities uh, to get them to ride horses. So we, we aren't able to like give advanced training, but there are some perks of, you know, being there. So they start out bottom level. They don't get to handle the horses. Uh, once around for a little bit, we give them some training and then they start being able to lead the horses out of the pasture. Once they're able to do that, then we start, you know, doing grooming and tacking and those kinds of things. Um, and they get to learn that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that's the first, the first part is to, you know, get in the barns and start, you know, uh, getting some hands-on experience and learning what it's all about. Um, and then I feel like after that you have, you have two different tracks that you can take. Um, you know, one is continuing to do that and trying to find places where you can, you know, work off lessons and get more hands-on experience and that kind of stuff. Um, the other avenue that some people don't really think about is like the education track that you can go through. Um so there's there's some high schools that offer those kinds of education tracks, but uh like I personally went through um a college education course to you know, I thought that I knew a lot of, about the horse industry um I was involved from the time I was eleven to the time I graduated and rode and showed and did all those kinds of things, but um man, I really found out what I didn't know when I went to college.
0: Another good way to get that experience with people that aren't looking uh, for folks, they don't have a super high expectation is rescues. If you can find a nice legitimate rescue like the one we have here, the Aiken equine rescue. They're always looking for volunteers. And, you know, as long as you're not a piece of crap, they will take you right off the street and show you everything you need to know. Um, and you hang in there for a while. thats valuable information that you're going to be able to get. Um, and if you want a, a you know, I I keep saying barn job, but really any job in the equestrian world.
1: Absolutely. Um, like I said, like, that's definitely one of the, that's definitely one of the ways to do it. Find somewhere to volunteer, find somewhere to get hands on. Um, but I'm kind of one of those odd people in the, in the horse industry. I feel like there's a, there's a line. A lot of people are either. Hardcore get an education or hardcore don't go get an education. And I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. I mean, if you have the avenue to get a lot of hands-on, you know, horse experience and be able to grow through those levels to get to the um, level level of professionalism that you really like, then absolutely do it that way. But I'm actually also a big advocate for um, doing some sort of education course. Um, I will say that it's not for everyone. I, there were quite a few people who went through the same program as that I did and they ended up nowhere in the horse industry. Um, but I don't think that has to do with the education that they received. I think it really has more to do with how committed they really were to learning and putting themselves out there. Um, so the, the nice thing about going to the college course that I went to, I went to Ohio university Southern, um, and, it's a super, super cool school. Um, but with that school, they um definitely gave me a lot of connection um that I never thought that I would get. And um definitely helped me rise to that next, you know, professional level. I got two international certifications while I was there, um, or my CHA certification and my Path certification. And <laughs> so I don't know. It's a it's a it's a really cool aspect that people should definitely look into if you don't feel like you have a in somewhere else to get that education.
0: Well, see, and I wholeheartedly agree. And the reason I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said is because looking back, I wish I had got some sort of tangible equine education either equine science or, or something um because where i kind of want my life to go and even though i'm i'm a lot older and i'm way way behind everybody else age wise um i wish i had that under my belt because it would make things um a lot easier especially like the the position i'm applying for now i know that in the pool of candidates that um those that have uh, you know, accredited college courses, um, in the equine world, are definitely going to be you know class slightly higher than me. So I've got to go in there with uh experience. And sometimes you you can't you can't make up experience. Um, it'll come back and it'll bite you in the in the butt. Everybody always says fake it till you make it, and it's kind of hard to do that in this world because you can get hurt or hurt someone um and somebody's going to know right off the bat like you you can't go in there with somebody who has managed a barn for 25 years and go in there and try to make it because your first day they're going to know they're going to know right off the bat you have no clue what you're doing
1: absolutely and so i kind of had a different perspective especially when i was going to college because um i was only 17 when i started college and So I was trying to make it as a super young professional in the horse industry. I was 19 when I graduated college. Um, So I was out there trying to get these jobs and show that I have experience. So definitely having a degree to back me and having certifications that had a certain standard of knowledge and competency on my resume opened up a a lot of doors that I really don't think I would have had if I wouldn't have gone that route. Um, I was 21 when I started teaching at the career center and I was actually approached to apply for that job uh, by the superintendent because he had met me. I was still working at the college after I graduated and his daughter was there going through the program. And that was one of the connections that I made was I was just chit chatting with him and I actually gave him and his wife a tour of the facility when his daughter was getting ready to go there and he remembered me from doing that. Uh, so there opened that professional door that I never knew that I would have had. And, uh, I guess when, so when he approached me and asked me to apply for the job, I went through the interviewing process, uh, because I had, you know, I had multiple jobs a on my resume already because I'd been working full time in the horse industry for a while at that point. Um, through both years of college and previous to college, I had jobs in the horse industry. And then on top of that, my two international certifications. So all the education that I received there really bulked up my resume. And so when I applied for the job, um, we went through the whole process, they offered me the job. And when I was filling out the paperwork afterwards, he looked at me and he was like, I think you wrote your birth date wrong. And I was like, uh no no I didn't he's like you're only 21 and I was like yeah I'm only 21 and he's like man it's a good thing I didn't know that because I probably wouldn't have hired you but on my resume because of you know all of the cl- the courses that I could list that I've taken the amount of time that I'd spent in the horse industry and all that kind of stuff uh it really opened those professional doors and that was my first like high-end um professional you know more high-end professional job in the horse industry and those are the kinds of places that you're going to get into that you're actually going to be able to make a living uh, and be able to you know do those kinds of things so if i would have you know personally where i was i didn't have anywhere that i could get more hands-on experience at a professional level to bump me up that quickly and I think that that kind of gave me a jumpstart into the horse industry. And I'm super thankful that I had that. And I've had those experiences to bulk up my resume to be able to stay in the horse industry full time. Uh, and I hope I never get out of it. You know, I, I can say it, you know, 27 now that I've never wanted for a job. You know, I've never left a jo- been, you know, never left a job and been like, what am I going to do next? Um, I've found a new job that's full-time in the horse industry every time since then. And I've definitely there's been times where it's, you know, money is kind of sucked, but I've never been, you know, bad off by any means. And I credit that to the fact that I've, you know, that I got that education.
0: The So you you get the job. Let's say you've land that first job in in a barn or in a rescue or therapeutic riding center or or wherever you get that ground floor entry level into the equestrian community job into the professional horse world, however you want to put it, then what?
1: Then what? So, um, after that first, after that first job, I feel like after you get that first job, you just kind of decide, you hone in what area of the horse industry you want to be in. Um, uh, I truly, genuinely believe that to be successful in the horse industry, this was some, this was some um, advice given to me when I was going through college, is that if you want to truly be successful in the horse industry, you have to be open to moving. You have to be open to traveling. You have to be open to... Going to where the job is because it's it's not a it's not a problem that there's not enough jobs out there. It's just maybe where the location of the job is. So once you once you get into that first job, you know the the higher end job, then you continue pushing yourself and building those resumes. Don't don't just settle for doing the bare minimum. Take every opportunity that you can and add that to the list of things that you've completed. Um, You know, you you want to be as knowledgeable as you can and also show that you're willing to learn and willing to expand into whatever area that you need to. Um, Does that that answer your question?
0: Yeah, well, I would kind of want to lead into that. I think a lot of people make a mistake as they first get in there and they've been in there a year or so and they've been doing mindless tasks. Because you're gonna get all the you're gonna get all the crappy work if if you're first starting out and you don't know or you can't have it proved yourself yet, you know you're gonna be the person that meets the hay supplier. You're gonna be the person that mucks. You're gonna be the person that washes water troughs if they trust you to do that. Um, you're gonna get all those, these these crazy, just like you were saying, picking up weeds, you know, by hand and all like that. Even if that's a little to me a little. I, I would have just been like, you know what, I, I, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> but you're gonna get all these tasks, and people are gonna, always gonna get frustrated. The thing is, is in and that's you bring up a valid point about being prepared to move, and for several reasons, not just because the work is everywhere. I'm fortunate to live in one of those places that most people that I know end up leaving other places to come here. Just like you know, Aiken is one of those places. Camden is one of those places. Ocala is one of those places. Um, Yeah, these these meccas. You know, Lexington. um, Yeah, those are those type of places where a lot of people can stay and make a career from barn to barn um, in those places. But one thing that I have noticed, and where most people fail, is they get so focused on. I'm feel like I'm not reaching my goal fast enough and they walk away from it. And then they'll go to another barn and they'll go, well, I don't like it here because I'm having to do this also, or I'm doing this too. And the next thing you know, they're out of that barn. And what they don't know is all these barn managers, all these owners, all of that, they all know each other. And it won't take them long that they're all going to know you. Or when you list that last barn you're at, you don't think they're gonna call their buddy and go, you know, hey, so and so. Uh, how was you know what's her face when she worked for you? You know, oh well, she just she she was bratty every day, she didn't want to do this, she whined, she huffed. Uh, whenever you tried to show her something, she act like she already knew it, and then she'd go screw it up. Yeah, and then then all of a sudden, guess what? You it's time to move if you're gonna stay in that world because i have seen so many people want it but then they don't want to put in the work and 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 they ruin any chance they have of going anywhere else
1: yeah i definitely see that a lot um and i i feel like it's kind of a fine line because you know in the horse industry you can very easily be taken advantage of um So I think that it's very important to have healthy boundaries, but you need to decide like you need to sit down and like really think about what those boundaries are. Like what are things that you will accept and not accept? And you also need to think, have you worked hard enough to get to that place? Have you earned the right to be able to ask for those boundaries? So, you know, I'm the kind of person that I I feel like I have worked my rear end off my whole life going through the horse industry and you know, I've, I've done those grunt work jobs. I've been, I've done all of those things, but I'm never in the horse industry. You will never be above cleaning a stall. You just won't like, no matter what job you have, no matter where you are, you have to be willing to jump in if necessary to clean that stall. But, you know, I feel like I'm to the point now in my professional life that I can start setting more boundaries, like not working weekends, um, you know, not working evenings, Those are the things that I've set for myself because I know what it takes to make myself happy. But back in the day, I couldn't ask for those things. Um, So, you know, if you feel like you're being taken advantage of, that's one thing. But also, like you said, you have to have a good working attitude. Like you have to be able to have those conversations uh, and be teachable. Like if you want to make it in the horse industry, being teachable is so incredibly important.
0: Oh, yeah, you, you cannot go in there to close mine and go, well, this is how I do it at home, so this is how I'm going to do it here. And when they try to show you something else, you revert back. That's not, not going to work.
1: No, it's it's not. Not at all. Just and... like,
0: Just like so, and I, I won't say too much about it, but just like the position you and I are both candidates for. That's a very small barn, by the way. I don't know if you have any idea how tiny that barn is. It might be eight stalls. Wow. Yeah. So, but because of the program that's there, it requires a manager. It, it might be 10 stalls, but it, it's not, it's not very big. Uh, small turnout, and that's it. That's all there is to it. But just like any other barn, they have expectations of a program that was set up years ago and it has worked for them. So even though you can make a suggestion, they might take it under consideration. There are still guidelines within that barn that have to be met. And it doesn't matter if you're the manager or the one that spreads manure. They're going to hold you to that. And that's how they want it done. If they tell you, um, hey, I want you to go on the backside and spread manure on the trails. I know a lot of people spread manure on their trails, um, which is whatever i don't want my horses walking in their own poop but you know anyway but if they tell you to go do that and they tell you what trail to you know to go do it or they tell you you know how to set the spreader up and i want it cut this way but you know if i let it cut a little bigger i can get done faster no you're not gonna last in that barn because guess what there's 10 other people knocking on the door wanting that little simple minuscule job you got because horses
1: yeah yeah and that that's, there's something to be said about that and say something to be said about, you know, every barn that you go into, they're going to have a different set of expectations and it doesn't matter what you think.
0: It could be the same disappointment
1: expectation is their expectation. I, my first full-time job in the horse industry, I almost got fired because I did not wrap the hose correctly Twice, yeah. And from this day on, that now from this day on out, I am OCD about the hose, how the hose is wrapped, because I got my rear end chewed about that, and it stuck with me. And you know, I I kind of shrugged it off, and I was like, "Why is it? Why is that a big deal?" And she was like, "Because I said it's a big deal." You know, like the way that this barn looks is very important. We yes. have clients coming in here every single day. And they expect it to lurk a certain way. This is how I want it for functionality. And not that I need to explain that to you because you don't make the decisions around here.
0: You know, that's, that's
1: right. what they me. And then in, in that moment, that's true. Like, who was I to say how the host should be wrapped? I need to just be quiet and do it the way that they ask yeah, me to you do know, it. You know,
0: and a lot of people don't understand that because they're young. And a lot of times this will be kind of their first job at all. And it's a labor job. I don't care what anyone says is a labor job. And coming from somebody with a labor background, you can ask all the questions you want, but nine times out of 10, you're going to get, because I said so. Yeah. You are hired to do. Now, if something's unsafe, then obviously bring that up and and talk about that. But if they want the hose done a certain way, then by God, you do it that way. You know, I had a friend that was fired uh, from a barn because she took the keys from they had a skid steer and they had a farm tractor um she took the keys from them like within she had been there i don't know maybe a week and she noticed as she went by that the guys that were doing some other work around there had left the keys and all the equipment that was on i think they had like a john deere gator and stuff like that she pulled all the keys out put them in the office the manager has the key to the office the owner wanted to go ride the property Could not. Key was not in the equipment. Common sense says pull the key out of the equipment. You don't leave it. The owner goes, you don't get through that gate without anybody knowing it. We keep the keys and the equipment around here. I didn't tell you to take the keys out of the equipment here. And now I've got to call her to come in and open this door so I can get keys. Get off the property. Yeah. And, you
1: know, there's something to be said about you know, I feel like most, most people are okay with you. Like at another time being like, Hey, you know, I had this idea. What do you think? You know I mean? I feel like a lot of people are open to that, but if they shut you down, that's okay. Yeah. But in the moment when someone tells you to do something, you don't argue with them and be like, well, what about this? No, in that moment, no. especially at a very entry level, you walk in and you do what they ask you to do. I mean, if you feel unsafe, that's another story, but you know, when it's something like wrapping the hose or if someone says, no, we've leave the equipment keys and the equipment around here, or whether it's, you know, I want you to fill all the water buckets up by bucket instead of using a hose. Like those are things that you do just because they asked you to, you know, they're, they're, they don't have time to sit here and tell you every single reason of why they do what they do.
0: No, and if you need an explanation and a reason for everything, this is not going to be the career path for you
1: Not because because
0: in this world, and I'm not, I'm not taken up for it because there's some asinine things people do that I just can't stand that they want you to do. But what I am saying is, is being the new person, unless you have got a better idea, there's, there's no reason to even ask, why are we doing it this way? Because if you don't have a better yep. idea, then they're just going to tell you, well, what, what is your suggestion? And you go, well, I don't know. Well, see, that's what I thought. So then carry on. You're you not going to walk into a barn and make your own rules when each stall has an $80,000 warm blood
1: in it. Yes. That's- and that- exactly what you just said was very hard for me to learn when I started out in the horse industry. That I don't need to know why for everything. Because I'm the kind of person who likes to know why things I- I are am the right too. way they are. And so um, it was a very steep learning curve for me to ask, to figure out why things are the way they are without sounding disrespectful or sounding like I was questioning them. Like, so then I would, then I found that I would just take time like later. And I, you know, spoke with the barn manager when we were just having lunch or something. And I was like, hey, like, I'm not asking this because I think it's wrong. I'm just genuinely curious. And I want to, I want to know, like, why do we do this and then she was more than happy to educate me on that but exactly i I made the mistake of being like well why at first and she took it very offensively and thought that i was questioning her when i wasn't i was just genuinely curious well why does this happen because i feel like the more you know the better yeah
0: well just like the keys should my friend have been fired for the keys in my opinion. No, it was a mistake. It happened. She was thinking. Um, but the reality is she shouldn't have been thinking because if nobody told her to do it, she shouldn't be doing it. It's a little different case if the barn's on fire then open the stalls and let them out, kind of thing. Um but if it's not, if it's not on fire, then leave it alone. Um you know, she could have very easily just picked up the phone, called the manager call the owner and been like, Hey, sorry to bother you. I noticed it in an emergency, but I noticed the guys left the keys and all the equipment in the shed by the barn. Is that fine? Or should I take the keys? Yes. And you know what probably would have happened? The owner and the manager have been like, you know what? That's good catch, but we leave the keys in it, but I appreciate you looking out for us. But she caught, she caught somebody in the wrong mood and did something that she probably shouldn't have done because nobody told her to do it. You know, she's thinking she's doing the right thing, and common sense would say this is probably the right thing, but it doesn't work that way in some of these barns. And it gets worse when you start climbing that scale. And I'm talking about job wise. I'm talking barn wise. When you step into a show barn, oh yeah, you don't show barns. you don't
1: do anything that you weren't asked to do.
0: No, I've I've got friends that were. You know, we have a lot of show barns here. I know show barns where they spend more time sweeping the aisle of the barn every day than they actually do anything else because as clients come in, they do not want to see shavings beyond the doors. When you pull a horse out, you sweep everything back in, then close the door. When they come back in, you sweep behind the horse. It is, I'm talking, anybody that's in the horse world, if you've got a barn and you've had that barn more than five years, it's nothing but dust and cobwebs. Yep. Hanging anywhere, you go into a show barn or a barn that maybe brokers high in horses or anything like that, you could eat on the rafters. They pay people to come in to keep that stuff clean.
1: Yep, it's insane. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier is that you can't fake it in the horse industry. Oh, no, you can't. Um, I will say as someone who hires people in the horse industry. I'm someone who hires entry-level people in the horse industry. And I have had many a person try to lie to me and say that they have experience that they don't. And let me tell you, it is blatantly obvious. I would much rather hire someone who is honest and says they have minimal experience and have but are very teachable, then hire someone who thinks they know everything and lies about their experience. Yeah, uh, every hundred Every single one of the people that I hire have a working interview. Like you're coming in and you're working for the day with me by my side, and I'm going to watch how you handle the horses, and I'm going to watch how you interact with others, and I'm going to watch and ask you questions about things to see what your true knowledge is. You know. And it's not something that you can just read up on the internet and think that, you know, everything, yeah, it, you know, the way bec- that you handle a horse will show the, yeah,
0: because the amount, the amount of things that you would need to memorize in that amount of time from saying, yeah, come in to do it, um, could fill an entire encyclopedia volume.
1: Yes. And nobody's exactly.
0: asking you to do it. And, and so look at it. And I do the same thing, even though I don't hire people here you know, I'm, it's just me and my ponies, right? Whenever somebody comes up to me and they go, Oh yeah, I've had horses or I have, I have horses. Do you ever find yourself low key sliding stuff in that conversation to test them? All the time. Because I picked that up from the construction world coming up in construction. Cause there's always some butthole on the job that's been there, done that. And I've been doing that 15 years and I, you know, I can weld everything from a broken heart to a, crack it on you know what i mean and i always know the old guys would always in conversation be like yeah i was on this job one time we had did you ever done that oh yeah i'd done that well how did you do it yeah you, you know one of those things and i i pay attention to little stuff like especially around horses like at shows and stuff like that And i see new people out working for other people as grooms and stuff you know and and that's something too if And not to go back down that rabbit hole, but just brought up something that I just just remembered. Another end to the horse world is if you can find somebody that shows and they might not show but one or two ponies and they get a small operation out of their house, they may be willing to take you along as a groom in training on the road just as an extra set of hands. Yes. Um, I've done that before just because if I'm taking two or three horses and it's just me or it's me and uh, my road buddy Brandy, we might have six horses there we need an extra set of hands you know a lot of times I'm the groom and I own the horses because the girl that jockeys for me is doing jockey shit you know Um, so that's another in but regardless um, I always watch people and even people that uh, have experience with horses they're going to be nervous when somebody's watching them all right. Yes. So, and you take nervousness and then maybe it'd be a little bit timid. You know, they might be a little shy around someone else's horse. I am cool with that. If I've got a lead rope and you click it on that, that brass clip on the side of the face um, or then you take the lead and you wrap it around your hand. <laughs> I know you're full of crap. Now if you hook the bottom ring, you know how to tie a rope halter correctly. But you're a little timid, maybe trip over your feet, you know, uh, let the horse bump into you or something like that. I'm fine with that. Like there... you're, you're nervous. If you do something blatantly stupid and but you've there... got horse experience, no, you don't. Either either you've done it wrong your entire life, and I'm not gonna unfix you at that point. Like I can't, I I can't unteach you. <laughs> you know, or you're just lying to me.
1: Those are the clear tail signs like those like clipping that's why i just laughed so hard because i've seen that happen um a lot of times i would see this when i used to teach the career center i would have these students that came in and they would be like i have so much horse knowledge blah 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 so those students i'm like all right go ahead go grab that horse but halt around, Blah around blah, blah.
0: Just, just give them a rope halter and watch them fall yes apart. because here's the and, thing they might know the tail goes to the back side but they don't know which side they don't know word to make the cross on the on the knot all you gotta do is just take it just yes. give it a little tug and see if it stretches or not
1: and the other thing is the other telltale summit you didn't mention is when they go to the wrong side to lead the horse from yeah. like not that it matters not that it truly matters what side you lead from but like 90 percent of horse people will automatically go to the left side of the horse like that's, well, that's just because
0: how- that's because that is the on side of the horse you have an on and an off
1: exactly you know. and my favorite is when they or like they put the, the halter on backwards or you know like all sorts all sorts of stuff
0: yeah. and
1: those that like it doesn't lie and um and horses don't lie either like how the horse reacts to you will definitely tell me all that i need to know when you go to handle it yeah um, the
0: there's an old adage that goes with that Ooh, gotta edit that out. Be bopping. You know, I'll just leave it in there for comedy. People are used to this, the, the my shenanigans by now. There's an old adage, not to interrupt you, about the right hand, especially in the western world. We ride most of our horses are taught to neck rain. If your horses don't neck neck rain, then you're pretending to ride western. That's just me. Okay. Yeah. A western horse should neck rain. Rain should be in the left hand. The a lot of old timers tell you there's not the two things that go in your right hand while you're on a horse a rope or a pistol when you're leading a horse what are you leading that horse by a rope a rope that goes in the right hand sorry i I just had to good i like that not only that but the horse is used to you doing everything on its left side yeah the mounting side of the horse
1: unless you're like me and you make your horses do everything i can
0: i can load my horses from either side i can you know it, it does i can put them on the mounting block backwards it doesn't matter they yeah. don't care any good horse should be should be able to do that you know just traditionally you know quite honestly you could you could honestly turn your girth around if you've got one of those girths that's got a buckle on the other side
1: mm-hmm.
0: and send your horse on the other side yep he's not gonna care but
1: exactly
0: if you walk into a barn and you see that walk away because they probably don't know what they're doing
1: Yes. if you, unless if if you
0: see the go on the right of the saddle like yeah if the <laughs> latigo goes on the right hand side of the saddle and unless they're missing an arm or something you know they just walk away but walk away. granted it should not matter on a good horse like i've, I've known great. people said oh you can't get on his you can't get on his right side oh well why is that i mean why can't he? Just like people say, "Oh, my horse won't won't load in a trailer with a ramp." Well, why won't um, he?
1: When people tell me their horse doesn't lunge, when I started this job that I'm at now, there were three horses here that they said didn't lunge. I'm like, mm, no, that's not an acceptable answer. I can like, make not it because un- of anything, not because of anything physical, not because they can't go in circles, round and round, like nothing physical. They just said that they. Can't lunge. And I'm like, mm, groundwork is my number one. So I'm going to tell you right now that that horse will be going around in a groundworking circle within yes. 10 minutes of me being there.
0: Oh, yeah. So for those that don't know, uh, that's that chapter right after, you know, gentling the horse that's never been touched is lunging. Yes. I mean, it's seriously one of the first things that you get a horse to do because, for one, you get control. Two, on horses that don't get a lot of exercise that is their exercise
1: exactly and that's that's where giving the pressure starts like it all starts from there it comes from you know yielding the hips and yielding the shoulders you want to be able to move all the body parts of your horse from the ground and be able to move them out and bring them closer and all those things from the ground before you even go to get on them so people say that their horse doesn't do that i'm like if they can't respect you in that area why are you even on their back?
0: I've got a friend. She just volunteered uh, for, I think this is her second go around volunteering in a in a barn. It's down on the coast of South Carolina. And uh, I talked to her the other day and she goes, I found out something I really like doing. And I was like, what's that? She goes, lunging. And I said, huh? And she goes, I really like lunging. And I was thinking to myself, well, yes, probably the most contact she's getting right now with them is lunging because I hate lunging horses. <laughs> Like, it is not uh, my favorite thing to do. And I wake up and I go, oh, I got to lunge this one. Great.
1: Yeah. I'm at not a lunge fan, but I am a groundwork fan. Yeah. Like, I am a huge, I love, I love. Groundwork. I love
0: groundwork. I love groundwork. I love being in a round corral or partitioned arena and with a horse. Now, I'm not going to say I love groundwork with something like a Mustang that's still got the tag around its neck that's never been touched you know i'm not saying that but especially groundwork tune-ups something that's already especially it's already got your you know he's already curious about you he's or she has already got you know those ears turned toward you you know uh you walk around a couple minutes already cocking a foot you know those type of horses that's fun that's fun groundwork when you're trying to keep from getting bitten that's not fun groundwork (laughs)
1: uh i um had a internship in college with this guy who to this day i will say that he is my favorite trainer of all time no one big no one knows who he is i mean he's not not a big name trainer but uh the man was a horseman um he anyway, so I helped him break a bunch of colts. It's not my thing anymore. I'm not a colt breaker. I don't like, that's not for me, but, um, so he, that's how I, that's where I really got like super into groundwork and colt breaking, that kind of stuff. And he was the coolest guy I've ever met. Um, but he taught me how to like read all the things about the horse and you know and we would get some of the rottenest horses in we would and that was my i loved the groundwork part of it i didn't care if they were coming at me with their teeth bared and acting like a bunch of jerks like it was my it was it was one of my favorite things so to this day like getting horses to groundwork that don't groundwork i'm like "Mm, no they're going to it's fine that's that's my favorite
0: there's a guy here locally um i I don't even know if anybody knows this guy's name like we just know him as cowboy he is like in his 70s him and his wife get the cutest little wife. you know little blue haired lady runs around you know with her little dress on he's always in a a white plain white t-shirt no belt uh suspenders with wranglers and his pants stuck in and uh he he lived in Texas for years. Worked with horses. Worked on ranches for years. Um, got married. I think they ranched for a while, and then um, something caused them to move east. And like he's like this mysterious figure. Um, his wife was a barrel racer. Years and years ago, you know, probably forty or fifty years ago. So he started working with her barrel horses. And again, we don't. I don't. My friend Brandy may know this guy's name. I don't know his name. Every once in a while, you'll see him change his outfit. He'll have a red bandana on. Like the old school Paisley bandana. And it, it rolled and tied loose. So then he can actually wipe the sweat. You know, We're all putting these really cute knots and shit in our, in our wild rags. No, no, no. This man's got the old school cotton bandana, leaving it loose. You know what I mean? Just yeah. He looks like Mixer would have painted him with dot bar you know what i mean so the and so like one day i'm we're i'm at a gym and he's there and uh he is got a family with him and apparently they were taking some lessons with him um kids were doing good and i was like man i was like that that young kid can ride and this kid was like 10 and uh, he goes, yeah, but he said, good kid. He goes, I'm taking them all in, working with them, working with the horses. Said, this man looks like he's about 80. And uh, so anyway, we had a tack malfunction in the alley for this kid to run a, a barrel pattern at this fun show. So I'm over there, and I'm trying to help him. And I said, how long have you been riding? He said, two weeks. I said, two weeks. He goes, yeah. I said, I just watched your pole pattern. You're running poles, barrels, an arena race. I said, and then whatever fun class that they do today. I said, you've been riding two weeks. He goes, I said, you grew up horses. horse school. My sister's got horses, but I didn't like horses until I started going to his house.
1: Wow.
0: And I said, oh, okay. So then fast forward like three years from that, we are at an MBHA show, a uh, national show um, at an arena here local. My mare is being obnoxious. Like she rode there with her buddy one of brandy's horses who she thinks is her mom she has always thought that for years and if she sees that horse a mile away she will call like a two-year-old filly to its mom that hasn't seen it in a while
1: oh my god the most
0: obnoxious little mare squeal trying to get her mom this is an appendix it's not even related to her but she was (laughs) she was a yearling and that horse kind of took her in you know anyway so She's been obnoxious. Brandy was warming her horse up. I'd already warmed mine up, and I was trying to make her ass stand quiet. And she's just calling and calling and calling. And uh he comes walking. He's so bow-legged too. He's got that bow-legged, like quick draw care. I mean, you, you know
1: he's a you know he's a good horseman. Yeah. he bow he is
0: this guy is like an animated cartoon character. He is straight out of central casting, like for real, like one of those spaghetti westerns. He is straight out of central casting. He goes, He goes, little mare's being mouthy, ain't she? And I said, yes, sir. I said, "Almost she's quiet, but that's her friend right over there. And he goes, he goes, yeah. I said, "Uh, you know how to fix that, don't you? And I said, yeah. I said, usually what I do, I said, is I make her stand there and stare at her friend. As her friend works, she knows her friend is not going away. It's fine. He goes, let me show you something a little different. And I said, okay. He takes my mare. He turns her away from her and just throws the reins over the rail and i'm like okay what's going?" On? he goes don't tire just leave her and i said okay and you could see her trying to creep back but she thought she was tied but she wasn't and you see her just kind of creep back out the corner from my eye she made a sound for like a minute or two and he's sitting there and he'd pet her he'd talk to her everything else and i've been calling her every nasty name under the book for like the last hour It wasn't, but maybe like five minutes. My horse didn't even care that other horse was there.
1: Yeah. And I know it had nothing
0: to do with him turning my horses back to the other horse because I could have done that. And she would have just kept trying to turn her head. But it was just something the way that man talked to that horse. I don't know if we, you know. We say that about
1: John all the time. You would have a horse acting like the dumbest thing on the planet. I mean, it didn't matter who, who handled the horse. I swear to God, the the second John would touch the end of that lead rope, that horse would just be like, whatever you want.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and I know people that, like, my friend Brandy is one of those people. You could take her something untouched. She'd have it around around about two hours and have it back.
1: That's
0: how John was, too.
1: That's how John was, too. He used to get, um, he had a farm that he had to deal with, and they would bring over their three-year-olds, or two to three-year-olds, and... Uh, we bring them by the trailer. They would bring them. They'd turn them out on the field. They wouldn't be touched until they were two or three, and then they would crowd them onto a trailer, unload them into John's place. I mean, never handled, and he well, would have them halter broke and backed each of them in this within an hour, hour and a half. And I swear to God, oh, yeah. not one of those suckers ever bucked, bolted, rear, nothing.
0: Well, see, and that's, that honestly brings us full circle about the subject, the hand that we're talking about. You know, you live out West. A lot of those people that want to get into barns here on the East want to get into ranches out West. And the first season that they have any contact with any real horses as far as hands-on might be when they round up all those two-year-olds that's been out to pasture since they were babies. Because they still, there's a lot of places that still do that. There's a lot of places that will buy yearlings and stuff and weanlings. They might keep them in the barn a few months and then they pull the halters and those horses are put somewhere on the back side of the ranch and they just graze and then they'll bring them in yeah. as two-year-olds and they'll start, they'll start sorting out what they're going to keep, what they're going to sell, what they're going to gentle and what they're going to break. Yeah. And then you're Absolutely. hanging, you're hanging on a gate as <laughs> five or six real cowboys on horseback are pushing wild horses.
1: Freaking. It's so cool.
0: I know. It just, uh, it's kind of, a uh, mm. yeah, I just had a, I, I want to do that.
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs> sitting here yeah. trying to tell people oh, that how horrible,
0: that, okay. how horrible that could be for like the first time person. I'm sitting here thinking about it. Going, yeah, I want to do that. Just to be I feel the,
1: like as horse people, that, that's always what we want. We would you be know, that guy like, bringing up
0: the year, the rear, swinging the rope over our head, keeping them moving.
1: Absolutely, That's absolutely. It's exactly what. No, and I me,
0: be. I'd end up, I'd end up slapping myself in the face. I'm, I'm the world's, I'm the world's most okay rope thrower. Like I have a rope and dummy, I have a rope and saddle. I, I can throw, I can throw a decent loop, and I'm a utilitarian roper. As in, um, if I absolutely hundred percent have no other choice but to rope it, we're gonna have to rope it, kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: i'm not gonna go out there and join the ustrc no no I, there is no <laughs> hope for me. Me. there is there is no hope for me ever becoming like a team roper or or a, you know a tie down roper or anything like that there's no hope. i had somebody tell me well, won't you go to a clinic why i know my limitations with a rope <laughs> i
1: know what i can and can't do with yeah
0: and me being a roper is not going to happen and like you, like you'll see me like if i'm on in you know, a working saddle or something like that like i have a rope like you know i i've pushed cows and stuff with my friends i've taken a rope, i've roped calves you know what i mean it might have took me three times and i scared it in another direction but we finally roped the calf you know <laughs> um it helps having a roping horse and you know layla will ground tie she just has you have to let her know that hey don't move like you know you're not gonna throw a rope from the horse that i use to push cows and expect her to automatically tighten the rope up she might walk toward it and sniff it you know
1: she did, what, what's going on here it's going
0: to it's a baby you know so yeah when yeah. it
1: comes to and my horse knows what she's doing but i don't so it's fine yeah
0: my 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 mare tolerates me throwing a rope over her head even though i did smack her in the ear one day and she she's not impressed by that i'm short okay and she's a morgan she should like throw that head up from time to time oh. and uh yeah she kind of got that ear in the way
1: Thanks, it, was that,
0: it was that it was that uh it was that dull slapping sound too and she shook oh. her head and then i got the side eye
1: those big old morgan donkey ears <sighs> they don't, I don't
0: think, yeah well yeah, they do got tall ears Lie. they do. They have special ears and really good Morgans. You can tell if it's a good Morgan. They'll touch in the middle, at the ends. Yeah, little points. Sal Reds will too. But you know where Sal Reds get their ears from? Where Morgans. That's how they. Ref- well, that's, how, that's how. they refined that breed. They added Morgan.
1: Everything always boils down to the Morgan, with you.
0: Well, I mean, you know, look. Whenever a breed <laughs> needed refinement, that's an American breed. Would they add to it Morgan or and thoroughbred? What are two of my favorite breeds, Morgans and not Thoroughbreds? <laughs> no, I, I, no, I actually like Thoroughbreds. I'm not even going to lie. I like
1: Thor- Thoroughbreds, Thoroughbreds
0: come in like every flavor under the sun and really good ones. There's You can take one off the track and the chances of it being dumb and a dull deadhead are the same. Yeah. There are so many dull deadhead Thoroughbreds out there. It's not even funny. Even like a lot of the racehorses just had really cool, personalities like they were in your pocket horses but they knew their job like secretariat was one he was an in-your-pocket type horse like he was nosy he was into things he wanted to nuzzle people but then when he was at the track he was dancing sideways and doing thoroughbred
1: ready to go ready to rock and roll
0: yeah well Jess that was so good to have you on again
1: absolutely thanks for having me
0: we always end up sidetracked we go down a rabbit hole so hopefully hopefully somebody learned something from that I, I doubt it. Probably not. No, somebody's gonna go roll the hole. Somebody's gonna go roll the hose up tomorrow and ask why, and then they're gonna be like, "But," Justin said it was okay.
1: No, no, Justin said it's okay to roll it at equal lengths with every and no crisscrossing. That's mm. that is. They all have to be equal lengths, going from where the top of the hose reel is to the ground.
0: You know why you do that, right?
1: So it looks pretty, but and so. Your hose
0: it's not just because it looks pretty so coming from the fire service when a hose is laid or rolled a certain way it comes off easier
1: well,
0: that too and you, <laughs> yeah you want to roll it just tight enough that it doesn't bag when you pull it off
1: well i like it to just look very neat and uniform
0: yeah you you don't want to see my horse my horses you don't want to see my horses either uh you've seen my horses um <laughs> you don't want to see my hoses around here they just get like thrown in piles and i have to untangle them every time i gotta use one
1: that would absolutely drive me insane
0: i, I leave like the sprayers on the end of them i have to buy sprayers like every six months because the kids run over them with a four-wheeler or something i am... it's fine
1: no yeah, it's so, not. it's fine. I'm going to buy you some hose racks and send them to your house.
0: I have hose racks. That's a bad thing. I just pile the hose in front of the hose rack.
1: Ryan, you, I probably also, you probably also leave your dirty laundry on the floor next to your hamper.
0: I did away with the hamper because it was taking up too much <laughs> space. I just pile <laughs> all my dirty clothes in the corner.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. And I just, I well, take...
0: And then I'll take, like, a shirt. Like, if I wear a shirt out one night, I'll take that shirt and it goes back in the closet. You don't no need to wash that.
1: Well, I mean, I don't disagree with you as long as it's, like, only for a short evening.
0: Yeah, because some of the shirts I wear are pretty expensive, you know? I'm not dry-cleaning everything.
1: I hear you. I and hear as long as know.
0: the starch is still good in my jeans, I'm not starching them again.
1: When you pull them on? Oh, yeah,
0: I got to starch all my jeans for Road to the Horse, by the way.
1: Road to the Horse, it's coming up soon.
0: So, I guess we could could talk about that for like five minutes.
1: Yes, everyone should come to Road to the Horse and see us.
0: That's right. It's going to be me, Jessamine's going to be there, and like a there's like three other creators that I know from TikTok that are going to be there. Another podcaster is going to be there. Um, Yeah. And then I have got like three people that want to meet me and talk to me about sponsorship opportunities. It's going to be awesome. I get to do a sponsor spot with somebody while i'm there
1: heck yeah your
0: dad's gonna be jealous because it is a leather company
1: i think that he'll be okay
0: it's gonna be okay okay yeah it'll be
1: okay it'll be okay that you're cheating on him
0: yeah they're making me uh they're making me some custom um spur straps i get to film the whole process of them measuring my feet so they're they're custom for me They're they're gonna be painted with my brand logo I'm going to have like a $100 set of spur straps when I set a $20 spurs. It's going to be great.
1: It's going to be fantastic.
0: My spurs cost more than twenty bucks, but still. <laughs> but yeah, Road to the Horse starts the – actually, it starts the 24th of March. It runs through the 27th, uh, so it's Thursday through Sunday. And if you live in the Lexington, Kentucky area – Kentucky, that's that word uh, – you live in that area, Thursday is free. Like you can go in and see everybody pick their colts to start. Check out all the vendors and everything else. Because um, I had a lot of people say, "Oh, I would, I would love to go. I don't live too far, but I'm not paying a hundred bucks for a ticket." I get that, but yeah, you can um, you can actually get in there for um, for free on that Thursday. So, and then you can take in all the museums and stuff while you're there. International Museum of the Horse and all of that stuff. So, yeah what do you
1: think? Yes, absolutely. So it's going to be pretty cool. There's a lot of top trainers that are going to be there. Um, It's going to be a really cool learning experience and the amount of shopping and vendors are going to be next level. So
0: I know I'm setting some money aside just for vendors because there's going to be, there's going to be a hat maker there and I'm not going to be able to say no. I know what's going to happen.
1: And and you shouldn't say no.
0: I I know. I'm going to roll up with I, it, Sarah Saratelli, and there's going to be somebody there, you know, with Saratelli's. And I'm going to be like, make me a brick crown.
1: <laughs> I, uh, one of my best friends, is uh, she shapes hats and she is fantastic at it. So I just dropped my one of my my sets off at her house uh, the other night, and it's going to be totally 100% different than what it looked like before and i'm so excited to see what it looks like
0: that's awesome yeah i'm one of those people if i show up to an event and there is some there's a hatter there even if my hat completely looks great i will always give it to them and go could you touch this up a bit
1: yes absolutely. you know usually
0: usually they'll do it on like a tip usually i not have a set price for that They're like ah you know i'm like what are you i don't know what do you think it's worth i usually give them like 20 bucks or something yeah, tip tip your hat shaper, guys. Tip your hat shaper.
1: Yeah. They put a lot of time and effort into learning how to do what they do.
0: Oh yeah. So. And never underestimate the power of somebody shining boots while you're there. If you see someone shining boots, let them go ahead and take good care of those those boots you got. Especially if you yeah, got a pair of high-end boots.
1: Just be careful because sometimes they'll do one and not the other. And you have to buy the product before they do the other one.
0: Oh no 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 not the, not that guy no no no, no. Yeah, don't annoy that guy. If there's an actual shoe shiner there, take full advantage of that. If you've never had, uh, if you've never had anybody actually polish your your boots, it is like an ASMR experience. If you're into that, just sit back, close your eyes, let them go to work. I can go to sleep, get my just like my haircut. Like it's an ASMR thing. Like I can go to sleep. Like the the lady that does my hair, she's always like pulling my head around because i'm like dozing off
1: so would you up here
0: yeah next thing i'm just going or like right up the side or something and that like end up with a reverse mohawk
1: <laughs> i think you should get that before rode to the horse
0: get a reverse mohawk before road to the horse yeah totally should be a good like, like the, the alien ant farm mohawk. i
1: mean i probably won't hang out with you but that's fine
0: that's what the sponsor people would love that <laughs> we love that. That's so, well, guys, it was great. It's always fun we have Miss Jess here with us. Um, again, we always get off subject, but it's always golden. It doesn't matter.
1: So, always.
0: yeah. So until next time, thank you all, and we will catch you later. I want to give a big thank you to Jess again for coming on for short notice and my mess up once again. Uh, sit down and share her knowledge for those that don't know you can catch me at Road to the Horse next week we're going to be live there Uh, all my social medias are going to be full of Road to the Horse type stuff hanging out with vendors and meeting potential sponsors and watching all the festivities go on there in Lexington, Kentucky at the Kentucky Horse Park if you're nearby there come out Thursday is free gotta have a ticket for the rest of the week Outside of that, guys, if you want to help the show, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash Chastain. There will be a link to it um, in the description of the show. Outside of that, guys, I'm sorry I'm late. Once again, weather and everything else and then corrupted files and me just being dumb. So,
1: thank you so very much and I will catch you guys next week.